Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built and we are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all of those major places where you can find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. And you can connect with us on Facebook at the Longhorn Republic. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's also done hiding his disdain for the 335 and playing out of position. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, I am in position, locked and loaded, playing in my preferred position as podcast co-host um this is uh this is good because we're talking about something that we got to talk about in the last podcast and, and follow it up with good news when we talk a little baseball i don't want to spend too much time but i will say this um coach washington a part of that staff who's still on this staff a guy who i trust his opinion specifically said that it seemed like if you know malcolm roach that the words were a bit taken out of context um and and roach himself obviously is any one would do um try to walk it back a bit i I think somewhere in the middle of drops major bomb blows up todd orlando and uh, hey speaks out why he thought he was misused and could play better at the next level so i'm good with it i don't want to belabor it i hope malcolm roach plays uh whatever position his heart uh desires and in the nfl or the xfl but the nfl i read the article and then reread the tweet and i was like the wording of the headline and or the mm-hmm. tweet is really stretching what he had to say. Because he basically said, like, yeah, we kind of played out of position, but that's not really an excuse. It's kind of what, like, I got from it. I was like, yeah, I that's not really my natural position. Which anybody watching him would have probably said that as well. Actually, you know what? A lot of people actually said that. So, I, uh, it is what it is. That. As someone who's written some inflammatory tweets for the sake of retweets, <laughs> I'm all for it. But uh, yeah, it was it was it it had legs and it didn't need to have legs. And it was just a whole thing. So we're gonna talk some baseball tonight. Baseball explosive start to the season. We're also going to look at some spring moves. The coaching staff had their first conference of the spring season, introducing the new coordinators and new position coaches. And the big news out of that was the announcement of some position changes. We'll talk about that. Obviously we'll down the 40 and bang the drum, but we have to start baseball for the first time since the 2009 season starts the season with a sweep three and zero over the rice owl seven, four Friday night four nothing on Saturday. And then a come from behind five, four win on Sunday. A lot to talk about Kyle. I, I, there, I don't even know where to pick from. The bats were alive all weekend. Yep. The pitching was solid. I think Sunday's probably the, the, the touchiest pitching performance they had overall. But but where do we start? Do we want to start with the bats? Because the bats are probably the big story of the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we said coming into this, right, that's that's where we needed to see improvement. Our pitching you know, could be hit or miss, but was not the, the huge glaring issue from last year. And I think we saw it. Um, I mean, if you just take a macro view, they had 25 hits, which is great in a three-game series. 56% of those were for extra bases, uh, Gerald, including – five home runs they that's that's like 
basically 25% of last year's home run production. Um, so I'm, I'm thrilled that it looked like the bats were, were moving. They didn't, and it wasn't as though one game was a 15 run game where they just had it going. They had a couple of those last year. They just, you know, moved people pretty much every, every game they got, Runners on. They played some small ball when they needed. They moved people around the bases, uh, hit some good doubles in clutch situations. You know, did did just what good hitting teams should do. So if that's Troy Tulowitzki paying off, or just you know little little older, new some new faces, all of that, I, I don't know. But I'm I'm excited either way. Bats were alive, and hey, the arms weren't bad either. Last year, these would have been like four three losses, is what all of these would have been, and Saturday would have been a four nothing win, but. Uh... The rest of them would have been like one-run losses. And so the fact that the bats are alive and the young guys, too, are, are able to to pitch in on that. I think on Saturday, what Holdo and Dixon both soloed uh, to kind of put Texas ahead even farther. So that was awesome to see. But I, I do want to talk about uh, something you kind of – you didn't pod Stradamus it precisely, but you mentioned that Ty Madden was a guy to watch. And he pitched an absolute gem on Saturday. Six innings, four hits – Seven strikeouts, just two walks in all of those batters' face. So that was a big outing for him. And then uh, another guy that we talked about, Andre Duplantier, came in and went three up, three down with a strikeout to close the game out after a nice uh, two innings of relief from Pete ha- uh, Haston. So, like, the pitching staff looked pretty good, especially on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, Duplantier is a guy we talked about just being excited, whether he's going to slot into the closer role or he, he is the setup guy. It doesn't matter. He came in in his first uh, his first appearance in, in his collegiate career uh, throwing the ball and, like you said, went three up, three down. Um, so that's that's great. We'll talk about the Sunday performance was also very good. But uh, the thing that I was excited about Saturday, you know, when you we throw a shutout, fantastic. You get enough runs, fantastic. Um, but we talked a lot about the new faces in our preview, and a lot of them came in. Um, Hodo, who uh, hold the dough, um, did well with a Hodo with a solo is is how I will rhyme that one. Home run uh, and Brendan Dixon, both freshmen, um, really kind of doing well. And then uh, my boy, who it looks like they're going to protect. Petrinsky this year. Pierce said as much. Um, they're going to throw Silas Ardwin in the you know, probably at least every third game um, and probably some weekday games and everything. Just just uh, get behind the plate a lot. He caught a gem and he looks as good as advertised. Um, I'm, again, gushing about a catcher. Go figure. Um, but really, really super duper excited about the kid's career. Um, I think he had three walks as well. So it's some fantastic plate discipline for a freshman. Um, so just all in all, our new faces through the first two games really showed out. You know, you basically brought in your uh, your, you know, Second baseman, shortstop, and kind of utility, but probably outfielder, maybe DH and Holdo all uh, all homered in in their first or second game as a Longhorn. So that's like announcing yourself to the Forty Acres in a big way. I loved it. It was explosive, especially um, early. The Texas the bats jumped out early, like on sun like on Sunday. Uh, small ball got it done early, but then. Uh, Texas also decided to go yard a few times to push it. I think the 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 third starter is the one that I think at this point we still have some questions about. Uh, Coy Cobb play, played really well, but he got touched six hits uh, in four and the third innings pitch. Uh, Texas had to use six pitchers in the matchup. Again, it's not a bad outing. Uh, only gave up one earned run, but had a couple on base when he uh, when he stepped off of the hump. So I'm 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 curious to see if that was just 
Rice finally deciding that they wanted to to put some put some I almost said wood on leather, but uh, aluminum on leather, uh, or if it was a uh, if it's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, it's uh, I'll wait and see on that one. There's so many pitchers on this roster that Sunday spot could f- fluctuate a little. I don't think Koi Cobb necessarily lost it. Um, you know, four innings, uh, four Ks, gave up six hits. You'd like to see a little bit better, but it's Sunday. Sundays are Sundays are for the boys. You know, Sundays are gritty. Sundays are gonna get a little weird, a little hairy. Um, you know, you're you're out of your your aces, your some of your players have played three games in three days, maybe a little fatigue, especially depending on how offseason conditioning went. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it, you could have had a situation where four innings and and, and one earned got you a, a, a W if you had a couple more runs. He was actually close to getting the decision. But anyways, I, I think he didn't lose it for me. He he showed some good stuff. It'll be curious, you know, if he keeps growing, which I think um, Pierce seemed to, to like his outing, you know, from a development standpoint. So I, I think we will probably we'll talk about the upcoming games and there's going to be a ton of them. So it, it really almost doesn't matter what the rotation is. Cause there's just a lot of baseball to be played in a short period of time. So if you have an arm, you're probably going to get thrown out there and, and get a chance to prove yourself and prove themselves and have a lot of opportunities to do so. They will. So Texas, the day you're listening to this, we'll take on UTSA, then Lamar Tuesday and Wednesday. Then they've got a weekend series against Boise State. You can catch all of those on Longhorn Network. But with five games in seven days, there's a lot uh, a lot of baseball on tap for Texas. Oh yeah, I mean, like that's that's why I said I think we're gonna we're gonna see a lot of guys, a lot of these freshmen, a lot of these new faces we previewed, and it's still I think it after one series perfectly relevant and maybe give you a little more context, go back and listen. If you haven't um, went deep on a lot of these new faces and these new arms, I think you're going to see a lot of these guys um, rotated in with that many games uh, happening all to dish, by the way. So uh, five games in seven days, you got no excuse. If you have an off night, you want to take the kids out. You have multiple opponents at home, different days of the week, whatever pretty much works for your schedule this upcoming week. Go, uh, go check out the horns. This looks like an exciting, exciting team. There is a, a less than 0% chance that they, uh, they take all five of these next ones and start the season eight. No, I'm not predicting that that's 100% true, but there's no reason they shouldn't be favored. I think in one of the three major polls they moved up. It's too early to rank, but they moved up into the top 25, um, the lesser of the three, admittedly. But they're they're a good team, and it looks like with all the new faces, this basically, to put a cap on this opening weekend, how I felt about it, you basically had a bunch of a bunch of new faces, a bunch of guys who, you know, just showed up. It's the extension of uh, basically exhibition where you're getting to know each other. You're still finding your right positions. Your rotations are in flux. You know, you're, I thought for two freshmen, our middle infield was fantastic. Um, Our defense, especially Saturday and Sunday really stepped up, did well. Um, I I mean, I I thought for the fact that you had so many new faces, so much question mark, um, this got, went about as well as I could have expected. So it's it's got the excitement up. We're on a four-game win streak, Jail, if you go back to last year. Love it. Absolutely. So uh, moving on to new faces and, uh, or I guess old faces and new places, we got some position changes from the football team. We'll talk about that real quick. So stuff you need to know about Jordan Whittington moving back to wide receiver, the spot that presumably like everybody when he came on campus was like, yeah, that's where he's going to play. So probably inside receiver behind Jake Smith, Roshan, after saying he wanted to go back to quarterback, will be playing at running back 
in the spring, more movement in the wide receiver room. Malcolm Epps moving inside to tight end after playing uh, behind Colin Johnson at the outside receiver this last year. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, Anthony Cook out to Nickelback. B.J. Foster is going to miss all of spring uh, due to an injury, and that's a position of need. Uh, uh, Josh Thompson moving back outside to cornerback. The big move probably is DeMarvian Overshown. Moving down to Will Linebacker, Texas, needs some depth there. And new defensive coordinator Chris Ash commented that he needs some sideline to sideline speed at that linebacker spot. And Overshown has shown that he can kind of play with range. Uh, Osai and Byron Vaughns are technically moving, but technically not. Again, with the four-man front. Uh, from a th going from a three-man front, front to a four-man front, you're going to expect to see some shuffling. They were that hybrid B-backer in Todd Orlando's uh, spot in his scheme. They'll now be kind of playing what they call the jack position in Chris Ash's kind of hybrid four-man front. Uh, similarly, a hybrid position, but they'll be closer to the line of scrimmage, and I would imagine you see both those guys with their hand in the air quotes dirt more uh, than you did a season ago. So are these... Do any of these moves really surprise you, Kyle, like heading into spring practice, or is this kind of expected and business as usual? Yeah, I mean, from the offensive side, I'll start where you started. None of those surprised me. In fact, I think I predicted um, at least two out of the three. I don't know that I officially predicted the Malcolm Epps to tight end before it was reported, I think unofficially before this announcement, but a couple weeks ago, so we've been hearing that. But uh, I, I certainly... Um, felt pretty confident in saying that I thought Roshan would stay at running back. He should, but I thought that he would, um, and that would mean that Whittington would move to wide receiver. So to me, that's the best-case scenario. Um, I think we have so much in the quarterback room that Roshan proved himself and has a chance to take a real big step up, um, and it gives Whittington a chance to be, I think we're still going to see it. I don't think it locks him in anywhere um, to you know be fluid and be all over. He's probably going to line up in a slot, which means you motion him in the backfield, you do all kinds of things. But uh, I just salivated the idea of a fully weaponized, fully antsyized uh, slot combination for whatever packages they run out there where they choose small um, in the slots and go Jake Smith and Jordan Whittington and just uh, just try to get nickelbacks and, and Lord Lord help them if they choose to put a linebacker uh, on either of those guys, just, just destroying them from that slot position. So I, I'm excited for all three of those moves on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I think, I think Epps, um, I want him to just get focused in a position, whichever that position is, and then really like focus on the craft um, of of that position. So if tight end is where he can have that benefit and kind of that wide receiver, that's you know, it's not a traditional tight end. It's not your grandfather's tight end, but uh, it, you know, it probably will include some more blocking. So I want to see his development there. But uh, he's big; it makes sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, from the offensive side, all those make sense. The defense is where it gets a little more juicy. Gee, I think. Um, I think the overshone one, you and I have both hinted and questioned and wondered and, and talked about it as an option, and maybe we were wishful things, so I'm glad to see it. Um, I mean, you, you just look at a guy like Isaiah Wright and what he did last year. He basically played, you know, for uh, for uh, Clemson, he basically played um, four or five positions, like 100 snaps last season, and he, he tweeted the other day uh, because he is a, a – first round uh draft talent he tweeted the other day basically saying so you you're saying i i played defense um which which is how i think overshone should think about this it's not that you are necessarily moving just to linebacker it's that you are going to be playing a really interesting position because you still have that speed you have that ability and coverage but you're going to be you, you can hit people coming downhill so you got to be closer to the line so it'll be interesting um the overshone news um and then anthony cook is 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 one that um 
I will be watching very closely. I think he has the skill set that could be really good uh, at that nickelback. So uh, I'm, I'm very curious, um, you know, if that sticks. I'm sure there's – right, let's be honest. There is going to be a dozen more shifts and reshifts and moves and flexes and guys who are, who are practicing at two or three positions um, anyway. So I, I fully, you know, think it's a bit fluid. But I, I'll be watching that one uh, particularly. Yeah, Overshone is a, is a guy who um... – was a really, really big body for a safety. Like, they have him listed at 6'3", 215. So, knowing going into, like, spring training, he's going to probably bulk up a little bit. You can see him probably adding 5 or 10 pounds of muscle, maybe even more than that, to, to kind of come out there and play a more. And he's – one of the things I loved about D. Overshone coming out of high school is he's a guy that's not afraid to put a, put a helmet on somebody. Like – he, he played like those guys who, like those old school safeties that would just like, I'm going to go through you. If I can't break up the pass, I'm going to break up your body. And so him playing linebacker makes a ton of sense to me. Um, again, I think Texas is just going to, I'm fine with the cross training that they, that they probably will end up doing at most of these uh, defensive back positions. So I don't really feel any kind of way about that. And I think you're absolutely right about Epps on the offensive side of the ball. Like he is... He's a guy that still, I think, learn. He kind of honestly sometimes looks like a puppy whose paws are too big. Like I think he just needs to like grow into his body and figure out how it works in a football mindset, a football set. And so I'm curious to see uh, what that looks like. And that that Y position has, I mean, he kind of fits the type because if you look at guys uh, like Librock, you look like uh, look at those types of guys with that body. Like that's the kind of player that plays that position really well. So I'm curious to see that. So of these moves, Kyle, which are the ones that you're maybe the most excited about? If you had to put your finger on one, what's the one that you're most excited about? I mean, I think the one I'm most excited about, I'm very biased, is just to see Jordan Whittington play a position. Get out there, play somewhere. I think him, you know, Overshone makes the most sense from a coverage standpoint. That's an area we've both said, ooh, we're so scared. But the one I'm excited that gets me, you know, titillated as a former uh, receiver is that watching, you know, Whittington play kind of a, you know, a hybrid slot receiver, you know, they could put him in some trips packages, hide him a little bit behind some of those big uglies. And then, you know, people turn around and he's 60 yards down the field because he's that fast and that electric. I think he truly is a special athlete. So for me, just to see him get on the field um, for an extended period and, and out at the receiver spot should be should be exciting. Yeah, I Whittington anywhere on the field. I'm I would love to see them go four wides and have Whittington and Smith on either side. Like just go two and two. I would just love to see that. Uh, but I think after after watching the struggles, I think at linebacker for playmakers, like I really I'm curious to see uh, what Overshone does there. He's a playmaker, and he's one of those guys that. Um, there's just such a glut of talent at safety that you're like, let's find a place for this guy, and you pick one of them, any of those guys, and you're like, all right, you're going to put on 10, 15 pounds of muscle this offseason and play linebacker. So I, I absolutely am I'm really excited to see because I think he can be really, really good at that position, especially in the Big 12 where your linebackers are expected to play a little coverage, where your linebackers have to cover a slot guy, where they have to, when you play OU, be able to run. So they're still in Yancey time. Currently, they're all still working out, and we'll keep you updated as things progress throughout the spring and as we head towards uh, our favorite spring football season. And so that's the part of the show where we give some shine to the Programs that don't necessarily get as much shine as they should, and we down the 40. We're going to have to talk about a little football, though, up top. Some staffing changes. So 
a guy who moved from an on-the-field role to a support staff role is now no longer with the university. Uh, Corby Meekins, who was uh, the inside receivers coach last year, has now left and went back to Houston to take the tight end and inside receivers job where he coached uh, with Tom Herman actually at Houston. Now those offensive analyst positions are filling up quickly though. Former NC State defensive coordinator Dave Huxtable, no relation, was hired as an analyst. And uh, former Texas State head coach Everett Withers is also going to be joining the staff uh, in a uh, advisory role. Yeah, I think both those guys are, are going to add to our defense. Again, a lot of new faces on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you're bringing in two relatively experienced as a, you know, on, on the defensive side of the ball, you have a head coach um, and also defensive coordinator, but you have a a, uh, a wealth. I think Huxable has like 40 years experience there. Um, and so when you talk about a young guy like Valai, who, you know, is is talented, everyone has, has spoken to what he can do as a developer, but maybe doesn't just have the wealth of experience. You bring in these guys who bring that, and that's a nice balance to me. Um, Huxable himself has a connection to Ash. He was his linebackers coach uh, in his first year as DC in 2011, I believe at Wisconsin. Um, and then Withers has a connection to the uh, the greater I-35 corridor, of course, was the uh, Texas State head coach. I was rooting for him. He uh, Maybe not your best media relations guy? Didn't, didn't uh, work the media as well down there. Uh, lucky for him, we'll not have to do that in this staff. But he, he brings, again, that exact experience I was talking about, serving as the Giants defensive back coach last season and coach DBs at, at UT 98 to 2000. Um, so basically, again, just literally bringing in so, uh, support for Coach Valai and for you know a cornerback group that's ready for a let's prove it year. Um, yeah, I think it's fantastic to have him uh, on the staff. So uh, good, good hires. Fill out. I'm all about fill out those analyst positions with people with, with some meat on the bone. You saw Andre Coleman basically turn that into a full-time position. If you shine, uh, you're going to be rewarded for it. But uh, both guys with a lot of experience coming to the team. Yeah, anytime those experienced guys hit the market and they get snatched up by a program like Texas, it's kind of just like a it's the uh, the rehabilitation program, and I think Texas uh, is going to be a part of that. We do have to unfortunately mention basketball, 81-52 loss on the road to Iowa State, and Jericho Sims is shutting it down for the remainder of the season due to air quotes back issues there's not really anything I want to talk about about basketball Kyle you and I are tired of trying to find new ways to say this program is headed in the wrong direction we will uh, update you as soon as we have something to update you on which will probably be Shaka Smart's uh, replacement following the season that's it that's all I was going to add is we the probably the next news beyond a, bo- a box line score you will get from us about the basketball is is uh, either a firing and then a subsequent hiring, but uh, I think we're there. Yeah, I'm, I'm done talking about basketball. I can't do it anymore. Women's basketball couldn't get it going at home against Iowa State or on the road against Kansas, dropping back-to-back games after a really, really uh, strong run in conference play. Uh, but... All is not lost, unlike the men's side. Uh, back-to-back losses simply just basically puts them in third place uh, if they play as they should for the rest of the season. Uh, they're actively playing West Virginia right now as we record, so hopefully by the time we're done, that'll be uh, Kyle's witty outro is, uh, is the final score of that game. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope you're right. I'll keep I'll keep an eye on it. There's uh, The West Virginia team is good, so, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. They are currently up 32 to 18 
in the second quarter. So uh, bounce back, doing big things. Yeah, yeah bounce I, back. I, win. I didn't want to say it to jigs it. Way to go, Gerald. If if we lose now, so, I am freezing cold. Takes you. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. We. My other podcast also is going to get freezing cold takes. We'll talk about that later. Number three, <laughs> newly minted number three mm. softball goes four and zero in the games that counted in Mexico, including an eleven nothing win over number twelve Tennessee. Kyle, we've got some stuff to talk about. Oh, we do. There's a lot to talk about. This is the this is the anti basketball, the sport that we probably spend more time on than we should. But you know what? It's exciting. Oh, that's right. Yeah. If, if uh, besides the Red McCombs naming donation, it may not generate um, the the revenue um, that it gets airspace on our, our pod. But I'm perfectly fine with it because you know what? Winning national championships in any sport is great, and this team is good enough. To do it, the Big 12 is ungodly in softball this year. Both the Oklahoma teams and Texas are inside the top 10. So this is going to be a a dogfight. The Big 12 will probably crown or at least have a lot to say about who wins a national championship this year. But so continuing on, I'm going to start macro here. We talked about how dominant Texas was um, in in their opening couple games coming into his. Now that they've played ten games and started ten and zero, um, they're uh, they're you know tied with their best start in school history. They've uh, they've given up in those ten games just eleven, and they've scored Gerald <clears throat> one hundred. That's that's ten runs a game giving up one run a game. Like that's those are video game numbers and coach. Coach White Mike is just—he's got—he's got something going here that's special. I am—I'm loving what we are doing. Um, I, I just—I I think this is the the makings of a really good year. A lot of depth all over. A lot of fight. A lot of heart. Um, I like it, Gerald, and I, and I have—I have a little little tickler for you, but but I don't want to take it all. If you got any meat you want to chew on this bone, please please hop in here. That's one of the best starts in school history. Uh, they. We have that weird exhibition blemish that doesn't actually count uh, because, well, it was an exhibition game. But they could have won that one. They probably should have won that one. And I did a little, I did a little uh, box score research because I wasn't able to watch this one live. Uh, it look, it the way that it ended is just infuriating. Gerald, I have a couple things to say about that. Right, I didn't want to, you know, brush over the fact they had eleven over eleven zero win over number twelve Tennessee. The thing I want to talk about is this this sham, this international incident, this travesty. I, I went ahead and, and said it out loud, and I feel confident. The craziest series of events in an international conflict between Texas and Mexico since the Alamo. That's right, folks. This is not something I'm taking lightly. Texas shot themselves in the foot a little bit. I'll give them that. They should have won this thing outright with admittedly mostly their second unit they rotated a lot of young fresh faces as this was an exhibition game again 3d chess over here for for coach mike white but um they still showed some heart and they showed some fight and they got to a tie game and they went to international softball tiebreaker rules which means a runner starts on second they then loaded up the bases they have runners on first second and third and then in mexico Local, you know, I'm not going to insinuate anything, but, but you know, you got the national team playing Texas, Retribution, 1830s, chaos. With bases loaded, Mexico gets a triple play. And I'm just going to say, 
if you have flowsoftball.com's video, please send it to me. Because I have not seen anyone who's seen it who feels that the runner was actually out on first. No, no need to start an actual international incident here. But um, I, I will just say then, obviously, you know, they were able to start with the international rules, a runner on second and sack fly basically to win the game in a walk-off travesty. But if you remember the Alamo, I say also remember Puerto Vallarta. It's, 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 abs- it's ridiculous. Victimized in, in Vallarta is what we're going to go with Ooh, here. Uh, that's good. That's really good. Quick tennis updates. Number four men's uh, went to the ITA national team indoor championship. Uh, beat number 16 UCLA 4-2. Lost to number 13 Michigan. And then beat number 8 Stanford 4-2. The women, just another day at the office. 7 nothing sweep of Brown. And then men's golf is currently playing... At the Prestige at PGA West. They're sitting at five under, four shots back of uh, Pepperdine, who leads. They're currently at third. But that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? I will keep my metaphors going from the, all the baseball and softball coverage we had here. We've we've long said we are fans of Crystal Conti, and, and even though I'm going to talk about a different sport, Crystal Conti throws heaters. Crystal Conti doesn't necessarily worry about painting the edges with 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 artful um, curveballs, though he does handle handle Twitter trolls better than I could ever dream of. Um, but he throws heaters when he speaks. It's it's down the plate, and it's it's he's a straight shooter. And I love that he had um, straight talk, regular words to say that we had an, an offseason of rebuilding. Tom Herman got one chance to rebuild his offensive staff. And, and his quote was, he knows that you get a chance to do that one time. You have really good players, want to do you know someone new calling that offense defense to get the most out of it. He said, you get to do that one time he did say i'm really proud of him he, he took a step back looked within looked at what needed to change and and you know he, he put the correct spin on it obviously about having to make difficult choices and, and get rid of dear friends which is, is true it was a tough decision anytime you do that the people you come up with i get it but I, the words i focus in on is you get to do that one time we talked about it uh when we we talked about the finalized staff and you asked is this a a staff that i think can you know get us to the next level and, and I kind of joked and, and said, if it's not, we're, we're redoing the whole thing, right? This is, I said it, but what do I know? When Chris Conti says it, it means a little bit more. So expectations should be tempered accordingly. You come in and you know these are the guys. These are the guys who are either going to get us back to, to where we need to be um, or we're going to start all over again um, if, if they aren't able to perform. So I, I appreciate the... Uh, the severity, I appreciate the expectation of greatness, the understanding that anything less is is unacceptable. We should be uh, in the upper echelon of programs in the country, and that's the standard that our highest authority in the sports department will hold the team to. We all knew this was the case. It's like you you pulled this ripcord once, and but I think the the sentiment and the the kind of the thought process behind what Del Conte said is spot on because one of the things that you and I, and I've openly questioned this about Herman is, is he mature enough to make that hard decision to say, you know what? Maybe I'm not the smartest guy. Maybe I'm not the guy that needs to make all of the calls. And so based on the sentiment that, that, you know, Del Conte expressed here, it sounds like that's at least what Herman is telling him. 
And so, it, again, I'll say it. I've said it before and I'll say it again. If Tom Herman is willing to say, you know what? I hired a really smart person to run my offense. I hired a really smart person to run my defense. And I'll just let him run what I hired him to run. Then I think these were the right moves. If Herman meddles, then we'll be looking for a head coach in a year or two. And that's that's the situation. So I'm going a little more lighthearted with my banging the drum. I'm banging the drum on a renaissance man, a 2020-style renaissance man. Kenny Vaccaro, also known as the Sore Savage. So you may know him for his uh, performance on the gridiron, both for the Longhorns and for the Tennessee Titans. But Kenny Vaccaro has also kind of been on, always been on the cutting edge and the bleeding edge of like what the kids are doing and, and kind of the new um, ways of communicating and, and connecting with people. And so he was like, he was like early adopter on Twitter. He was like 2011, like touting his Twitter following games. It's really crazy. And so he's gotten into professional gaming and streaming and, and it's become a really big deal for him. Uh, they did a story about it uh, on the local news there in Austin, but he has like a hundred thousand followers on Twitter. He's got like a thousand, like 1600 people that are subscribed to his Twitch channel, which is like where he, where he streams. He, he went to Bungie, who puts out Destiny as the game he plays. It's like, it's a big deal. I just love seeing um, athletes that are like doing more than just, I play football and I go home. <laughs> and especially as an unabashed nerd, this is something that I really love to see. Is like, he's just owning it and embracing it. And, and I love that the walls of like, what makes, you know, jocks and nerds is breaking down. That's what I, I love about it. And so it's just cool to see him doing something different, something new and something that he loves just as much as he loves playing football. Yeah, yeah, Gerald. When when this story came across our radar, I immediately thought of you. He is he is the the uh, the voice of the Texas football nerd um, nerd generally, right? Not just a football nerd. I, I was I was going to ask um, I was going to ask you a, a couple things here. This is yours, but I want to throw a brief trivia. Do you know when you talked about him being on the bleeding edge? Do you know what high school he played for his senior year? I do not. Early high school in early Texas. Kenny Vaccaro has always been early to the party. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean, good. yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it writes itself. Um, I think, I think uh, he is a guy who we will be following for years to come because if an athlete can uh, figure out what they're good at besides just their particular sport, uh, there's no reason that they can't be successful for five decades to come. I absolutely love it. And that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas pregamer at Texas pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Gooder. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. You can also catch me on my other podcast, Two Woke Nerds, bringing it full circle. We actually did a best romantic comedies conversation so if you're into good movie talk my buddy raymond and i talked about movies you can check us out we're on the same places where you subscribe to this podcast so just look for two woke nerds you can find us there thank you so much for tuning in again this week and until next time hook them hook them texas women basketball has made it close (laughs) 